Let the games begin, everybody. The vibe is great. I mean, it's, it's been great, great practices, great excitement in the gym. I think we're ready to play against some other guys now. Welcome to the Hawks Report, the podcast from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution that gives you the stories behind the score. I'm Lauren Williams, the Hawks beat reporter here at the AJC. And of course, here in the Hawks Report, it wouldn't be a show without trusty, handy-dandy producer Daniel Salerson. And we've got quite a bit to talk to you guys about as we head into the regular season. It's so hard to believe. We're, of course, going to touch on the extension on Onyeko Kangu and then the lack of extension on Sadiq Bey. We're going to, of course, get into a little bit of a regular season preview, talking about the first couple of games coming up this week, which, mind blown, we have a couple of games this week and they all count toward the regular season record that determines the Hawks postseason. And then, of course, after we got a chance to watch that exhibition finale last week, Friday, we have to touch on a little bit of our rotation predictions again, maybe an update, especially because we have a little bit of sound from, believe it or not, Clint Snyder talking about the rotation. Now, if this is your first time listening to us, please make sure to follow the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever it is you guys get your podcasts. This is the Hawks Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces, as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC. All right. Welcome back to the Hawks Report, everybody. Daniel, we're here. It's the regular season. We're here. There are games tonight, a doubleheader to get everyone's juices flowing to watch some good old NBA basketball. And then the Hawks tip off on Wednesday night against their Southeast Division foe in the Charlotte Hornets. I'm just Mm -hmm. so excited that the preseason's over because it's so hard to predict what's going to happen. And now that we have games that we're going to be able to see tonight, you'll start to get a feel for what this team could be, not only the Hawks, but just some other teams around the NBA as well. So I'm pretty pumped that there's a doubleheader tonight. Yeah, I'm really excited for the matchup between the Suns and the Warriors. You know, KD going up against his old team. Uh, I I believe I was watching NBA Today or one of those ESPN shows and uh, just one of those ESPN shows. And they were talking about it being the first time. Oh, wait, no. It wasn't an ESPN show. It was actually the Warriors broadcast of their preseason game. They were talking about that being the first time that Kevin Durant would be playing in front of fans since he left Golden State however many years ago. It feels like a lifetime ago, which is crazy. Yeah, think about that that with COVID, probably when he returned. And then with Brooklyn, either with injuries um, as well. Mm -hmm. 
and being traded too. Didn't get to play in some of those games due to injury. He got hurt as soon as mm-hmm. he got traded to Phoenix. That is crazy to think about that. That'll be his first time in front of fans, which is which is going to be fun to see. But also, if you yeah. remember the, the first game of that doubleheader, the Lakers and Nuggets, think about yep. all the trash talk. A little talk bit of matchup. The, uh, the Nuggets yeah. have been talking all summer long. The Lakers are like, oh, we're mm-hmm. ready. We've been taking notes. We'll see if they mm-hmm. took a, took the notes uh, against Denver yeah. as they will raise their banner and get their rings, too. So a r- smart play by the NBA with these two games being the first ones. Yeah, I think it's, it's really exciting. Obviously, this is not a show about Western Conference teams. This is the Hawks report. So, of course, we're here to talk about the Hawks. And uh, speaking of players that are going to be around a team for a long time and he's going to get to play in front of their fans very soon, Friday against the Knicks, Onyeko Kongwu extended on Monday, officially, like 20 minutes before the deadline at 6 p.m., <laughs> Count on the Hawks to get an extension in, a rookie extension in, right before the deadline. It's always good, I guess, to have a buzzer beater before the regular season starts, right? You just hopefully there's some more on the way for Atlanta. But I do like the move. I feel like it's a very mm-hmm. team-friendly deal for Onyeka. It's something mm-hmm. where you've seen the strides that he's taken in his first few seasons with Atlanta, and you see the potential that he has. I think he'll get a bigger role going forward with mm-hmm. this team. And so to lock him in for four more years at that rate, I believe it was $64 million. You can correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, it's four years, $62 million. 62. I, I was trying yeah. to earn so- Onyeka a couple extra million. <laughs> not that he needs it now, but either way, a very strong contract for him. And I think it's one mm-hmm. that is well-deserved. I think Landry Fields did a good job making the most out of this opportunity for for him and his team as another team-friendly contract goes in the mm-hmm. books. Absolutely. I was just going to say, it, it feels like this Hawks front office has been uh, a bit better at negotiating some team-friendly deals after, you know, some of the long-term deals that they've kind of locked themselves into. You think about, you know, and that's not to say that when these players signed these contracts that they weren't deserving of this money. That's not at all what we're just we're saying. It's just in hindsight, when you look back at something like the John Collins deal, it was a lot of money and things just as we know, the NBA, it's always TBD to be determined. Um, nothing is ever set in stone and things just changed a lot, you know, whether that's how they were using him, you know, injuries just in hindsight, the contract just looked not great. But at the time, he was very deserving of that money. So I think the Hawks learned a lot from, you know, those contracts over the last couple of years. And um, they got some that got themselves some team friendly deals. And then also, as we mentioned, Onyeka deserves that extension. That's what about. Let's see how good at math I am. That's about a little over 15 million a year. Yep. So that's some pretty solid money. I think it's the best of both worlds for for yeah. him and the team. We, we talk about flexibility. Again, the salary cap's only going to go up. And when you're still trying to keep Trey, DeJounte, you just locked DeJounte up as well. You know, you want to have some flexibility moving forward. And I think we'll get to this as well. That's why there's some flexibility with Sadiq not getting his extension. Again, we'll go into that in a second. Mm-hmm. But I think for Landry Fields, you just don't want to handcuff yourself with loaded contracts now. So that way, if you are ready to take that next step and, and get this team to the next level, you're going to have to to sign some guys, trade some guys. Remember, they still have that big trade exception from John mm-hmm. Collins that they can use that for a big piece. So I think he's just setting himself up to make sure that they're ready for their next big move and and locking in Yonyeka was, was definitely the right call. 
Absolutely. And I don't think it's uncommon for teams to, especially when they have guys, multiple guys that they need to consider extending. I don't think it's uncommon for them to think about, you know, getting a deal done with the guy that they drafted. They took Onika sixth overall in the 2020 draft. And and as you said, he has shown them so much growth, especially over the last two years, being as healthy as he has been. Remember his rookie season, he was dealing with some injuries. And now heading into his fourth year, he he continues to show uh, his commitment to the team. And I think they in turn showed their commitment to him. Again, nothing is ever set in stone, but I I think that it just, again, it shows how much this team believes Onyeka is a big part of their future moving forward because we have no idea what's going to happen with Clint Capella, who becomes a free agent, I believe, at the end of this season, right? Yeah, and you also don't want to get into a bidding war if he gets into free agency without you extending him. And of course, obviously, you can match any deal, but... There could be a de- again. There's teams with a salary cap going up that can way overpay just to land a guy like Onyeka, and then you're stuck saying, "I got to make this decision whether I need to match this or you let him go for free," and then you don't get anything for him, or you maybe technically overpay for him. Again, we still the future, you know, still will determine how well Onyeka is going to play these next four years. But you lock him in now, you give him fair value, and everybody wins. Yeah, so just to correct myself, Clint Capella has two years left on his deal. And who's to say we we have no idea what the the Hawks' plans are regarding him because anything can happen. But I do believe that the Hawks still value Capella quite a bit. They value, you know, the the skill set that Onyeka brings to them, especially as your backup center, to have a guy who was, you know, in the top five in offensive rebounding percentage and second chance points last season. That's huge, especially because Quinn Snyder puts put a premium on getting, you know, those offensive rebounds. Of course, the team is going to want to make sure that they're getting plenty of defensive rebounds as well. But if you can create second chance opportunities, and especially with the Uh, amount of spacing that they've been able to create with this new look offense that they have under Snyder, maybe that second chance points, there are three instead of, you know, maybe a top, a touchback, excuse me. Yeah. Plenty of versatility with Onyeka and Clint and you have some options there. So to keep those, those two together is certainly going to be good for Atlanta right now. And it's also going to be great for a guy like Jalen Johnson, who, you know, the Hawks, they exercised, his fourth year option on Sunday. They actually had until the end of this month to make that decision, but to go ahead and just get it out of the way. It was funny whenever I know they say, don't read the comments, but I remember whenever I would look at some of the comments regarding, you know, me saying, Oh, they're expected to pick up, you know, the options. They're like, well, in other news, water is wet. (laughs) So, you know, I, I get it. It's a move that's expected. It's not really a surprise, but to keep Jalen Johnson and Onyeka Okongu together, they have this really great budding chemistry. And especially with the guy, with the Hawks, you know, looking to utilize uh, Johnson's skills as a ball handler, as a facilitator, facilitator, somebody who can create his own scoring. It's, it's the best of both worlds. If you can have, you know, your front court throwing up lobs to each other, I mean, that's going to catch defenses off, um, off surprise or by surprise, excuse me. So, yeah, I, I think the more that you can keep the pieces that have shown you positive things intact and you can build around that, the better. Now, 
one, you know, the guy that unfortunately did not get a, a, a contract extension at the deadline on t- on Monday was Sadiq Bey. And I don't think it's necessarily a statement or a indictment of how the Hawks value Sadiq. I, I think that it just came down to the, the two sides couldn't agree on a number. And it goes back to that point that I made earlier about the, the Hawks kind of being a little bit cautious with maybe what they're willing to extend these guys on. And, you know, with Sadiq being a 19th overall pick in the 2020 draft. And I remember hearing a few rumblings about, you know, what Sadiq would have been asking for as far as, you know, what he's able to provide it being kind of on the higher end of, of what, teams might not be willing to you know have some leeway on obviously we don't know what that number is I have no idea but it it just tells me that maybe his side wanted a bit of a higher number that the Hawks weren't necessarily willing to budge on right now yeah I I think it's one of those like you mentioned that either both sides weren't ready or just one like you mentioned them throwing out a bigger number and Landry, I guess, is really not in a position that he has to make the decision on him now. He was required in a trade from Detroit. He spent mm-hmm. five second-round picks on him, but it's not really the end of the world, again, if you move on from him. Or, again, things could still happen in the mm-hmm. in the offseason. You can negotiate a deal and everything will be fine. But it might be more of a, we want to see what Sadiq can do during the season. And I think mm-hmm. you kind of get the boast out of that. When, when players are potentially looking at new contracts, they tend to play a little better than maybe earn that coin. And so... Mm-hmm. For, for the Hawks, it's maybe saying, hey, we, we want to see a little bit more under Quinn Snyder a full year and see how he fits into what Quinn Snyder wants to do. And then mm-hmm. for Sadiq, it's like, all right, well, I can now play for a bigger contract. And if maybe it's the Hawks that don't give him that number, maybe another team will. Exactly. I was just thinking of it as kind of the best uh, of both worlds situation with this is that, you know, the Hawks can take, a, as you said, take a little bit of a longer look, see how he he fits alongside um, you know, Trey Young and DeJounte Murray and, and the rest of, and we'll get into this a little bit when we talk a little bit about that rotation prediction based on the season, the the exhibition finale, it looks like, you know, potentially Sadiq is the, is the guy that the Hawks will lean toward as the starter. And, you know, as much as we love the skills that Jalen will offer, it's not a, a bad thing that Jalen isn't named the starter, but, um, you know, potentially they want to see how Sadiq plays and how he might fit as a long-term starter with this team. And if a guy is asking for starter money, they want to, you know, a team will obviously want to make sure that he is, and I hate, I, I just hate using the word, but worth <laughs> starter <Yeah>. money. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think it's a good point. And again, when you're extending players and you're giving them big contracts, you want them to be a part of your team for a while. Mm-hmm. And with Sadiq not being drafted by this team originally by Detroit, as I mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. I just don't think they've seen enough. And it hasn't been a larger sample size, whereas yeah. Neka Kongwu has had three seasons with the team and you've seen mm-hmm. the progress. It's hard to tell with Sadiq whether you think he's made the progress and he's had a full training camp, a full offseason with the team. Now the expectations are kind of set for what they're looking for. Now it gives Sadiq an opportunity to meet those expectations or they mm-hmm. potentially move on or they, they come up with a new contract. So, mm-hmm. again, it's just not necessarily anything against Sadiq. It's just more of you've already given 
DeJounte's contract, Onyeka, mm-hmm. Trey Young. I mean, these are big money contracts right now. And we talked about flexibility. They need to have the flexibility and not lock in another player without really knowing if he is the right fit for this team. Exactly. And I again, I, I think this is a good year that we're going to see some serious growth in Sadiq. I think in the preseason, we saw some really good things out of him. He was... He he looked like an NFL lineman when he, whenever he was driving to the basket. So if there's a guy who is going to go out and, you know, prove that he is, you know, worthy of the contract that he believes he is, it's going to be Sadiq Bey. And so we'll see what happens next summer. Um, you know, what the mark especially what the market is like and you look at what the free agency class is for the upcoming season not upcoming season but the season after the upcoming season that's a pretty pretty decent free agency class and so you know there's going to be a lot of competition and and so i think you know sadiq might have a a good hand in you know maybe determining his fate so we'll see but i think it's going to be a fun and exciting year for these two guys and onyeka like we said is very deserving of this contract. And uh, Bobby Marks from ESPN just kind of tweeted out, I'm still going to call it Twitter, by the way, in tweets, but he, he still tweeted out, <laughs> um, he tweeted out uh, the kind of rookie extension structure for Onyeka. So, you know, the first year he's going to be, so after this year, he's going to be making 14 million flat and that's going to count about 9.9% against the cap. And then it's just going to incrementally get higher and he'll he'll make about 16.8 million in 2027-28 which feels like forever away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, it's going to be fun. It's a fun season as far as you know where Onyeka fits in in the rotation. I don't think it's any surprise that he's going to be the the backup center to Clint Capella. I mean, you don't pay a guy like Capella twenty million a year to to come off the bench. <laughs> no, and, you're right and just about that. The skills that he has. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Clint's been the starter since he's been here for the for the most part. So I don't think any change anything changes with that. There are some options if you need to go smaller, a little quicker mm-hmm. then Oyeka can come in. But again, as uh, we'll hear from Quinn soon, it's not really. And we talked about it last week. It's not necessarily the starting lineup and. What it means is everyone is so fixated on the starting five. It's more how you finish, and it's more about individual matchups. So, again, this gives Quinn a little bit more versatility that there is some small ball. You can bring, you can move on Yeka to the five. Mm-hmm. And also, if he is attempting to shoot these threes at some point, maybe you can stretch the floor a little bit with Onyeka. I'm not saying you have to right now. I think he still has to make his shot cons- more consistently. Yep. But it does give you that option to show something different and kind of confuse the defense when you have Onyeka play the five. Absolutely. And of course, we're going to touch on that and, and get into, you know, the regular season preview and, and rotation in our next segment. So continue to stick around and we'll be back. This is the Hawks Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Hip-hop is a product of black people. It's a product of black song and celebration. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution presents Hip-hop's most pulled elements are pulled from the South. A Southern hip-hop store. We always go back to that moment of the Source Awards. 
Everybody wants your rhythm, but they don't want your blues. The biggest names in hip-hop. Atlanta is still the mecca for hip-hop. 50 years. No one can deny. One film. The power of the South now. The South got something to say. Streaming now at AJC.com slash hip-hop. I'm Ernie Suggs. And I'm Ned Ravone. Atlanta has been known as the black mecca for so many years, but that means something different to everybody. It means everything to me. Every day I wake up, I learn something new. Well, you all can learn something new by subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's new newsletter called Unapologetically ATL. It's all about the people, the events, and the entertainment happening in Metro Atlanta that Black people might want to know about. So subscribe today at www.ajc.com slash unapologetically ATL. Welcome back to the Hawks Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I, like every week, want to take this time to thank everyone that subscribes to the AJC and AJC.com. It's, you know, you guys are what drives the ship. I'm mixing metaphors here. But we do have a special offer available for podcast listeners. If you subscribe today, you can get six months of unlimited digital access for just 99 cents. That's all of our sports coverage, politics, breaking news, investigations, food and dining, and so much more on AJC.com. Plus, you guys will get access to our e-paper and or assortment of newsletters. So join our community by going to subscribe.ajc.com slash podcasts. That's subscribe dot ajc.com slash podcasts so you always know what's really going on and so what's really going on is that the regular season starts tomorrow wednesday october 25th it's here daniel just off the cuff what are you most looking forward to seeing this season what i'm looking forward to again is just a full year with quinn snyder we got a little mm-hmm. taste uh, of what he can do last year, but at the same time, he was trying to figure some stuff out. And so mm-hmm. I don't think we really got the full extent of what a Quinn Snyder system with these players are going to be. We know what he did in Utah, what he was able to do with that personnel, but this personnel is a little different. There's no mm-hmm. Rudy Gobert, there's no Donovan Mitchell, but there is Trey Young, there is DeJounte Murray, and there's mm-hmm. a pretty solid start at five. And a pretty good bench. And although mm-hmm. Landry Fields didn't make a ton of moves to what I think improved the roster, they're going to rely on a lot of continuity and a lot of team building from last year for them to get to maybe the next step. So I'm wanting to see or looking to see if there's that growth, if they're going to make that leap, if they're going to win five to seven more games a season, if they're not going to play in the play and if they can mm-hmm. somehow climb their way up to a top four seed and earn home court in the first round. Can they make that step? They paid a lot of money for Quinn Snyder to get here last year in the middle of the season. They paid a lot of money to their backcourt. So how mm-hmm. is Quinn Snyder going to marry those two together, not only on the offensive side, but on the defensive side, which I think is the bigger question mark this year for Atlanta. So for me, I just want to see the growth. And mm-hmm. even in Wednesday's game against Charlotte, division games have not been too kind for the Atlanta Hawks in the last few seasons. Can they take that big leap on opening night? Mm-hmm no matter what Charlotte's roster looks like, it's going to be a big game for them. And I know every game's important. They want to win every game. But setting the tone early to get that road win first and then come home with a fired-up crowd against New York on Friday night, I want this team to come out um, with that intensity. I want to see them come out 
with a great start against Charlotte to kind of say, hey, you better watch us watch out for the us now this season. And mm-hmm. uh, that's what I'm kind of looking forward to. Yeah, I think for me, I am particularly excited to see, and we touched on this last week, is consistency. And for me, it's the consistency on defense and their commitment to defense. I think you could kind of see at points last season where it seemed like they hadn't really quite bought into playing hard on that end of the floor. And then when they did, great things happened. They scored plenty of points in transition and they typically won the game. (laughs) Um, And then when they didn't, again, you could see it clearly and they would struggle in games. They might win it, but they would still kind of struggle a little bit. So I think for me, what I want to see, especially because they talked so much about how much of a focus they had on it in training camp was just defense. I want to see them kind of back that up in all of these games. And of course, you know, with all the traveling and schedule and back-to-backs and and all of the stuff that comes with the NBA season, you know, injuries come up and and everything like that. I want to see how, you know, that consistency not only starts from, you know, the top of the roster, but I want to see it kind of carry through, you know, the rest of the guys and, you know, whoever it is that Quinn Snyder, you know, inserts into the lineup because he needs to make an, an adjustment because of an injury or an illness or whatever. I want to see how that person can kind of try to seamlessly fit themselves into that combination, particularly on the defensive end, because you can kind of see that when there's like a little cog that's kind of off in their defensive machine or or whatever, it's almost like everything was out of whack last season. And I want to see, you know, how they're able to utilize the communication they talk so much about that they had throughout the exhibition season. I want to see that carry over. And if, you know, the usual cog in the machine isn't there, how do they, you know, seamlessly implement that new cog in and and make the machine function as well as we know it can? So, I mean, I think that will be key to a, a good start to the season. We all know that the idea of a quote unquote good start is subjective. I was talking with Bob Rathbun at practice yesterday. Bob's a great guy. And he he kind of said it, it's a little bit of an unanswerable question. Like, what what does a good start mean? And you know, that really got me thinking, like, what 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 does that mean? Are we talking wins? Are we talking just the record in general? Like it's so subjective. And so of course I had to ask Quinn Snyder about it. What does a good start to the season mean for him? And and what is he looking for that he can say, okay, we started the season well. And here's what he said. Obviously, you want to you want to win. Mm-hmm. I think that's a given. And you know, I, I think you'd like to win a certain way. Um, should we we'll, we'll take a hot shooting night. You know, we'll. I, you really want to see some of the things that that we've been working on you know, manifest themselves from an execution standpoint. And I guess that would be the word that I would point to is execution, um, which covers a lot of different things. It's not just offensive execution. It's defensively. It's, um, 
you know, all the details that you've tried to, you know, impress upon the group that are important to winning. And I think, you know, if you do those things and you continue to do them, you know, more, more frequently, better, longer, you know, I, I think that ends up, you know, giving you the results that you're looking for. Yeah, so I think he kind of basically said everything that I I was saying. It's it's about execution. It's about the habits that they wanted this team to build in training camp and over the offseason and everything like that. And now it's about carrying it over into to the regular season. And I think it's interesting when you talk to the players, you know, when we have availabilities at practice and everything like that, you can kind of see where the buy-in is right now. Of course, the interesting thing that will show us how much they've bought into what Quinn Snyder is selling is, of course, what happens when things maybe don't go how they want. Maybe they're not winning the right way or they're they have a, a streak of losses or they just go through a tough time like is that buy-in still there but again like I mentioned right now I, I think everybody is excited to have Quinn Snyder as their coach and and to win under a guy like Quinn Snyder so you know you you hear the sentiments that Quinn kind of says in in his answers to some questions kind of trickle into the players answers and and that to me tells me that they're 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 really interested in what Snyder has to say and they they've really kind of soaked up what he has to say so here's what Trey Young had to say about what a good start is for them or for him excuse me I mean there's a lot of things I mean obviously you want to win every game um but if you're playing the right way and sometimes the shots don't go in or certain balls don't go in, some nights it's going to be like that. You play 80 games. Um, so it's hard to, to judge just based off winning and losing. Um, but, I mean, I want to win every game. Uh, and so to get off to a hot start is very important. Um, but if we're playing the right way and we're playing how I think we will be, I mean, we'll, we'll, be, in, we'll be in every game and give ourselves a chance to win. Yeah, so you you kind of hear that echoing of what Snyder's talking about, about playing the right way. Well, we'll see what that means when the Hawks kind of start things, not kind of, when the Hawks start things off on Wednesday night against the Hornets. Do they play the right way? And, and what will that end result be? Look, I think it's all gravy that those two are saying the right things, but <laughs> I want to get greedy. I want to see some winning streaks. Absolutely. I don't want team snip snap. I don't want to be no. going <laughs> win loss win loss <laughs> no more if we have to bring up snip snap in a couple of weeks then I don't know what we're going to do we're going to get a buzzer or something to hit to say that we shouldn't be saying anymore yeah. or we're going to have to put some money in a jar if we have to say team snip snap in an, in the next couple of weeks here so I want to see them execute but I also want to see them win because mm-hmm. there were some times last year that yeah they played great but they didn't win and that was a lot of times because of the defensive execution They'd score 130-some points and allow 130-some points and lose. Those can't mm-hmm. happen anymore. I want to see if we're going to score, if the Hawks are going to score 130 points, they maybe allow 110 and get the job mm-hmm. done. It's unrealistic to think that they have to hold someone to around 100 points. Look, it's the NBA. It's high mm-hmm. scoring, 110, 100 to 110, whatever. But for me, I want to see this team get off to a good start. I want to see wins. And I know it's, yes, if they play well and they lose some of these games early, I get it. 
every team's going to have the this, this reason of, oh, we just got to mesh a little bit. It's going to take more time. We didn't get a lot of reps with the full roster together, all that. Mm-hmm. I understand all that. I was in the NBA too. But at the same time, I want wins, Lauren. Yeah. I'm going to ask for wins. <laughs> I'm going to ask for a winning streak. And so I'm going to play a little devil's advocate and say, no, what I'm going to consider a good start is their win-loss record. I'll give it 10 games. First mm-hmm. 10 games, I want to see six and four, seven and three. That's what I'm going to measure it right now. Ten games, yeah. See, just, I just from the start. I, I know it could be yeah. unrealistic, but it's just I'm impatient. Yeah, I was going to say I would at least give them the first quarter of the season. <laughs> it's a little <laughs> different know? than what I think. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I would say, you know, maybe they're playing the right way, but the first ten games may not necessarily be great and maybe they are team snip snap where not necessarily that they're win loss win loss win loss but we're seeing like steps forward and 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 quinn snyder likes to use the saying that growth isn't linear but i I am very much like you i want to see that growth reflected in the win column and for me that that is what a good start would be and i i would say i i give them you know the first quarter of the season to kind of get their footing and and implement the stuff that that Snyder has introduced to them in the offseason and, and in training camp and everything like that. Of course, it might take a little bit longer than 20 games if we're being realistic. But no, I, I'm with you. I want to see the progress ref- reflected in the win column. Look, if they go five and five in the first 10, I'm not going to go freak out because <laughs> that's what they've done all last year. There was yeah. five and five. They were at 500. But when you look at their schedule for the first 10, at Charlotte on Wednesday, very winnable game. You always give mm-hmm. yourself a chance against the Knicks at home, especially in the home opener, on the road against Milwaukee. Sure, that's going to be tough. And then you're at home against Minnesota. And then if you go into mm-hmm. November, Wizards, Pelicans, Thunder, Magic, Heat, Pistons. Mm-hmm. Pretty winnable games. Pretty winnable games Quote on their unquote. schedule. Quote, I said pretty winnable. Oh, of course. Yes. So... <laughs> And again, this is what happened to us last year when we started going through the schedule each week yep. when we record our shows. We go, this could be a two in one week. This should be a three in one mm-hmm. week, whatever. And they'd go one and two or two and two, and then it was just frustrating to even talk about. So maybe I'm contradicting myself when when trying to do this all over again. But with a new season, I just want to see some winning streaks more than just two games. So I want to see that progress and then not fall off for two or three games and they take a step back. If they continue to make even fit small steps going forward, mm-hmm. then I'll be okay. But I just don't want to see, oh, a great start against Charlotte, New York, and then all of a sudden they just fall down the cliff and and all of a sudden start going yeah. to some of their old ways. So if you see that slow yeah. progression, and it may take longer, as I completely agree with you, I understand that, but maybe I'm just getting greedy, add a three or four game winning streak in there. That's all yeah. I ask. That's all I ask. Yeah. We definitely want to see some win streaks in there. And like I said, we want to see that progress reflected in in the win column but yeah i i i'm excited about the season i'm excited to see how things are implemented i'm excited to see how the hawks attack each and every game i'm excited to see some energy in games i'm excited to see some defense i'm excited to see some shooting you know i just want to see it all just everything and so as far as you know this team thinks about that defense, especially as I talk about, that's really, I feel like, what's going to make or break this team 
<laughs> is is how much effort they're they're putting in on on defense. And I say that because you know that's that was a big time quote from Quinn Snyder. You know, defense is a decision, and does this team decide to defend each and every night? And so someone asked Trey at practice on Monday, you know, what has Snyder communicated to him and DeJounte and the rest of the guards, what his expectations are for this team defensively? It's a, it's a total team defense, but as far as the guards, I mean, we just, we just got to do our job. Everybody has to do their job, and it's not just on us. It's not just on Clinton, our bigs, to protect us. We all got to do our job, and it's... Uh, I mean, I think our defense in the preseason has shown kind of what we want to do and um, as far as guarding the basket and making sure teams stay out the paint as much as possible and uh, we can test all shots and threes and that's, that's really our main focus. And so we, if we do our job, we're, we're, we, should be, we should be pretty good on defense this year. Yeah, I mean, the Hawks ranked toward the bottom of the league. They were 29th in point, allowed points in the paint, 54.7. Per game, just ahead of the San Antonio Spurs and just below the Detroit Pistons. Not exactly two teams, you know, you want to be in company with for anything, you know, by by last year's standards. And then as far as fast break points, they ranked 26th in the league, allowing 15.4 per game. And then opponents' second chance points, thanks to guys like Onyeka Kongu and Clint Capella with their their prowess on the offensive glass, a little bit better, but they were 20th in in the league, 14.1 per game. So yeah, you just want to see this team collectively take, as you said, that step forward, everybody, especially because, again, we want to see this progress, you know, that the team is taking, this internal development that they done over the course of the offseason we want to see the results of that and and so Wednesday is the start <laughs> just the start yeah for sure and and I, I agree you you want to see the steps and defen- defensively on Wednesday is what I'll really see how well they do to start especially mm-hmm. those guards I agree completely with Trey as far as not putting the pressure on Clint and some of those guys down low because I feel like that's what kind of happened last year is guys would get by Trey the DeJounte and not just again it was everyone and Mm -hmm. he put so much pressure on your front court your yeah your front court as far as worrying about having to collapse on some of these guys that are driving and then it opens Mm -hmm. up the window for shooters on each wing and so I feel like that's what happened a lot not only allowing the points in the paint but also allowing those three pointers on the other side too because you weren't able to stop the guard initially in the point of contact and then they're able to get easy looks at the rim or again able to pass it off for a three so it, it starts with Trey, it starts with DeJounte, it starts with all those guards, and mm-hmm. and we'll see what happens with Quinn tries to unite this defense together. Where again, it doesn't have to be perfect, but you just want to see a difference between last year and this year. And if they do, again, those numbers, you can it can change your record completely. Just little mm-hmm. tweaks on the defense. Because again, defense is the hardest part, I feel like, in this league, especially with the new rules. And again, with a bunch of shooters and speed and athleticism, you change your defense a little bit, that could change your team and your identity in a, in a, in a huge way. Absolutely. And, and of course, Snyder and, and the Hawks staff will be able to kind of experiment with potentially different combinations to see what works the best as far as defensively um, within the bounds of the rotation, of course. 
um, because there's just only so many minutes that can go around. And there is something to be said about rhythm that those combinations can kind of bring or some rhythm that they can kind of develop together. That's part of the chemistry, right, of what makes those combinations successful. And, you know, Quinn Snyder is not the type of guy that likes to publicize or talk about lineups, rotations, combinations. You know, he doesn't want to be pinned down to a particular thing because then that takes away a little bit of the the flexibility. And he actually used a great word when someone asked him if the preseason gave him any insight into what his rotation will be this season. And he used the word malleable. So here's what Quinn Snyder had to say about being malleable with the team's rotation. I don't think we had everybody together in the preseason until the Philadelphia game. Um, but you get windows into it. You get windows into it in practice. And um, A rotation, you know, isn't something, it's not a, like a playoff roster where you have to put everybody's name down and that's what it is for, for the rest of the time. Um, I think the key for our group is, you know, rotations are malleable. Um, whether that be starting lineups, finishing lineups, you, you know, you see it more obviously with finishing, but even in terms of, you know, what are the combinations that are playing together and that can change, you know, game to game. I know we fixate on who's starting, you know, that it's an easy thing to, right? That's the way we report it. And, you know, even our box scores tell, like, give us a limited picture of what's actually going on in the court. Um, I'm not sitting here advocating to change the statistical <laughs> models, um, but I think it's important, at least for me, as you're putting together those rotations, you, you're looking, you know, at who, who plays well together, you know, minute stretches or someone playing three stretches or to play two longer stretches, someone get more fatigued, um, where their minutes being spaced is better for them, and, you know, what combinations of players, not just two, three players, but in five-man lineups, and, and that's something that we continue to look at. And then the overlay is who you're playing, you know, and that impacts it as well. Yeah, so of course, you know, Snyder has to factor in a lot of things when he's thinking about different combinations, and those combinations might change night to night depending on matchups. But as far as the rotation, I think, you know, that that finale, that preseason finale that we saw in Philly gave us a really good idea of what that rotation will be. I mean, if you watch the first three quarters, you know, Snyder only used nine guys. You know, the 10th guy didn't even come in until the beginning of the fourth quarter. So, you know, in, in watching that uh, preseason finale, we saw the starters were, for the most part, what we expected. And I touched on this at the beginning of the show, but you know, the guy that played the four was Sadiq Bey. And last week, we kind of alluded to maybe at the beginning, we might see, um, you know, different combinations where maybe they put Jalen Johnson in. You know, if Sadiq is the starter, they put Jalen Johnson in a little bit sooner and and give Sadiq a breather just based on what the matchup is and and how, you know, somebody might be performing defensively and 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 Jalen is just a little bit further along defensively than and then Sadiq is. And so if you if you're playing a game like the Bucks, maybe you start Sadiq because of his ability to space the floor a little bit more, but because of a guy like Giannis Antetokounmpo, you might need to put Jalen Johnson in sooner just to kind of slow things down a bit until Giannis uh, goes to the bench. So 
just just little things like that. But but for the most part, like I said, I think Snyder, you know, from everything that we have heard from reporters that we've had on the show with Utah, um, he he doesn't really go more than nine guys in a rotation. Um, he might go to ten, and if he goes anything longer than that, it's because something happened or there's foul trouble, somebody got hurt. It's garbage time situation. So, yeah, I think if we're if we're thinking about what we saw Friday night, the starters are Trey Young, Dejounte Murray, uh, DeAndre Hunter, Sadiq Bey at the four, Clint Capella, and then your second unit is Bogey Bogdan Bogdanovich, uh, Jalen Johnson, Onyeka Kongwu, and AJ Griffin, and they'll like they'll stagger Trey's and Dejounte's minutes to play with that second unit. I was pleasantly surprised at how much AJ had played in the preseason. And I was wondering if he would be a consistent face in the rotation. And lo and behold, he is. And so, you know, he had a a bit of a tough time in, in preseason. His best game ended up being that fourth game against the Pacers where he went three of four from three, which is one of the best that we got to see um, from him. Uh, He still seems to have that maybe sophomore slump that he's still working through. Last year, it was the rookie wall. Now he's kind of in the sophomore slump. So I I think that he'll eventually work out of that once, again, he gets into a rhythm. You just hope that he gets out of that slump sooner rather than later because then maybe Snyder will have to reevaluate and then the rotation changes again. Yeah, what's interesting is the three people you didn't mention, which I still agree with who you think the rotation is, but Kobe Bufkin, which I think we all knew that was going to be someone that was not going to get a lot of minutes. You'll probably see him in the Gene League as well just to, to get some reps in. Patty Mills and Wesley Matthews, two veteran guards. That will be nice, though, if you do need them in certain situations, you can bring them in. But it is interesting to know that those are two guys that maybe won't be in the rotation. But what I've come to see, at least in that starting lineup, you add Sadiq Bay in there, and there's a decent amount of, there's three-point threats, one through four, which I think is something that Quinn mm-hmm. Snyder wants to have as options, is you don't just have to worry about Trey Young, DeJounte mm-hmm. Murray, but DeAndre Hunter, mm-hmm. if he can get going from three, is a really mm-hmm. good three-point shooter. And then you have that with Sadiq Bay as well. So one through four, Having to worry about that as far as spacing is concerned, I think could go to the Hawks' advantage. So I get why Quinn goes that route as far as the offense. Mm-hmm. But you mentioned the versatility that Jalen Johnson has and how Quinn is so good with matchup based lineups that you know it's mm-hmm. going to be different each game, each quarter, mm-hmm. each half. I mean, it, it's going to it's going to change based on how the game goes and how the roster looks for each team going into that night's matchup. So. We can't read too much into what this rotation could look like, but at the start, you, you kind of understand why Quinn is most likely going to go with those nine guys, like you mentioned, or or maybe go to 10 if they need it. And hey, like you said, we might be talking about this now, and I'm like, oh, based on preseason, he went with Sadiq Bey as the starting four, and then come Wednesday night, it's Jalen Johnson in the starting four position. We just, we just have no clue. I mean, when you look at Charlotte's roster, and... I 
don't know what direction they're going to go in with starters because I don't cover the Charlotte Hornets, right? You know, um, so I haven't looked too much into it. But obviously, you can expect LaMelo Ball is going to be your starting point, point guard. Terry Rozier is going to be your starting two. I don't know what's going on with Miles Bridges. So I'm going to assume that they're going to go with Gordon Hayward as your starting three if he's healthy. PJ Washington is your four. Mark Richards or Nick, Mark Williams, excuse me, or Nick Richards, I was mixing their name together, could be your starting five. And I mean, they're both seven footers. So that's, you're not going to see a lot of them. I don't think you're going to see a lot of the Hornets going small um, right there. So I think that, you know, PJ Washington might be an okay matchup for Sadiq, but obviously he he might be a better matchup for Jalen Johnson, just size-wise, skill-wise. So yeah, that I, I guess that's kind of where I am, where I think this maybe comes down to um, just matchup size. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it's going to be so hard at the beginning of the season too because you're really you're going to finally start getting tape on some of these teams. Mm-hmm. Like as far as Charlotte goes, you don't really have a lot to work off of. They have a pretty young team. and I didn't even know, mention Brandon Williams. We're going to, yeah. of course he's going to start. He is yeah. going to start. Well, like and, Brandon and, Miller, Brandon Miller. Brandon Miller, yeah. Their, yeah. Why am I getting their names wrong? He's the start. He's the starting three. Hey, it's still preseason for us too until Wednesday. Okay. So we're allowed to, <laughs> we're allowed to adjust if we need to. As far as crossing up names, you know how many times last year I crossed up names on this podcast, so it's okay if we <sighs> if we do that just for just for this preseason one, yeah, and then we'll get back on track for next week. But yeah, I, I agree again, especially with Charlotte, they're just still a young team, they're a team that's not really projected to go far. They're still in rebuild mode. Mm-hmm. You still really don't know what direction they're going to go, and they still have a great backcourt in mm-hmm. in Rogier and Lamella Ball, so you can't take them lightly. Um, but at the same mm-hmm. time, this should be an, uh, a a roster or a, a team that the Hawks could expose a lot of their weaknesses based on who they have. So again, it's going to come down to that strong start. I don't yeah. want to hear like Nate McMillan last year. They just weren't ready. I wasn't ready. We weren't ready. <sighs> if we hear that again, we're going to be in big trouble. So yeah, get off to a good start. Go from there. And I'm ready to go. Let's play some ball. Let's play some basketball. You know how, and I, I was just thinking that because we brought up Terry Rozier, you know how every team has like these players that whoever that like whoever that player is you just know that they're gonna go for like big points that night Mm -hmm. whenever they play that team and i feel like terry Rogier is like the whatever killer for a lot of teams i remember he was like a pistons killer like he would just go off every time he played the pistons and then i also feel like he's kind of a hawks killer and he will go off anytime he plays the Hawks. There's a reason why they call him Scary Terry. It's true. You're right. And we're getting close to Halloween, so it's, it's fitting. <laughs> it is fitting. But we'll be here with you guys again next week. Of course, we'll be able to break down a couple of regular season games. And we'll be following along to make sure that this is no longer Team Snip Snap. This is Lauren Williams from, for the Hawks Report, joined by Daniel Salerson. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.